Hey RCC family, welcome to RCC at home. I'm so glad you've decided to, to tune in with us today. My name is Danny and if you're new here or checking us out for maybe the first time, you should head over to rccsunday.com, fill out a rag card. That's a great way to get connected with RCC and learn about the things that we got going on here. Also, if you feel so inclined, hit that subscribe button, the little bell to get notified, and, and you'll get a, a notification of when we're putting out new videos. Before we dive into our cancel culture series today, I do just have a couple of announcements. If you're interested in getting baptized, we're having a baptism service in, in about a month. August 1st is the service, and so if, if that's something that you're curious about, you have questions about, email Pastor Sam at samprowitz at rippinchurch.com. And lastly, uh, the weekend after that, August 7th and 8th, I am leading a canoe trip. It's a super awesome time for your families to get out, experience God and, and His creation, and just have a good time. So that's a, a Saturday, Sunday, or just a Saturday day trip if you like. If you have any questions about that, shoot me an email or, or, or find me and we can chat about that. Uh, and that's all that I got for you today. So I hope you enjoy the service. So I have this memory, uh, this memory of, of hearing a news story. And it's a news story that when I, when I remembered, I was like, man, is that really true? Like, did that actually happen? It's, it's a memory of, of hearing a news story about a mother who lifted a car off the ground to save her child's life. So I was thinking like, did that really happen? Is that really possible? And, and as I was thinking about that memory, I decided, you know, I'm, I'm just gonna look it up. I'm gonna Google it. So I look it up and, and to my surprise, there are literally tons of these crazy stories. I mean, can you, can you imagine walking up to your car outside, just grabbing a hold of the underneath and just lifting it up right off the ground without any help at all? I came across this one story, this one story of a 22-year-old woman who was a daughter. She, she was walking outside and she just had been to be, happened to be at the right place at the right time. Her, her father had been underneath the, underneath the car working on it and the jack had slipped and, and it had fallen on him and, and he, he was just under the car. So she literally runs out there and in her own words, she said she, she picked up the car and threw it and then began to, to perform CPR on her dad and saved his life. This is a 3,000 pound vehicle that she picks up and in her own words throws. It's, that's insane, isn't it? It's so crazy. It is insane and crazy what the human body will do when fear and passion and a, and a whole ton of adrenaline gets involved will do or will endure just about anything when what's at stake really matters to us. Happy 4th of July, happy Independence Day. My name is Sam, I'm one of the pastors here and we are in this series right now called Cancel Culture. And we're not doing it in the cultural sense where we're canceling people, that's not what we're talking about. We're doing it in the God sense where God cancels out culture, he supersedes it. And so it's been such an awesome series. We've been going line by line through the book of Colossians, a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the people of Colossae. 
And here's the craziest thing about this letter. I was, I was realizing it this week as I was thinking about the letter as a whole. It's written by a guy who the religious leaders of the day were literally trying really hard to cancel. The letter was, was written from prison, and he was put in prison because he was saying things the religious leaders of the day didn't like. So they're trying to get rid of him, and he keeps on writing. They can't cancel him, which makes sense when we read the very first lines of the verses today of, of Colossians. He's sitting in that prison, and we, we can see it and understand it a bit more when it says, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body. I am glad when I suffer for you in my body. That's what Paul says. How many of you, how many of you would just so love to just say that, right? I am glad when I suffer for you in my body. You know, you know what I think I'm missing from my life? You know, just a little bit more suffering and pain and misery. I would just so love to have some more pain and misery and suffering in my life. Suffering is what I want in my life more so, said no one ever, except maybe Paul. I mean, I guess some of us are a little weird. Uh, some of us will do really weird stuff like, you know, sit out in the freezing cold in a deer stand and hope against hope that a big buck pokes its head out. Other people, you know, they, they run marathons because that's fun. <laughs> or how about those people who do that crazy thing? I've never done this. I have no desire to do this. But there are people who literally do something called a polar plunge where, where they go and they break up the ice in the middle of the freezing winter and they go and they dive in to the water and then they come back out in the freezing cold. I was thinking maybe we should maybe we should do a baptism in January in Green Lake. Wouldn't that be awesome? I don't know how many of you would just sign up right away to do that. But here's the thing. We'll suffer as humans. We will choose to suffer, maybe even be glad to do it, but but we only really like it when the suffering is on our terms. When we decide how and when to do it. That's not the kind of suffering that Paul is talking about. Paul doesn't determine his suffering, but he does suffer for a reason. That's what he says, Colossians 1, 24 through 25, he says, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. There was a, a responsibility. There was a, a reason for his suffering. There, there's another letter in the Bible written by James, the Apostle James. And, and that says it this way. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the detesting of your faith produces perseverance. Pure joy. And there's a theme here. Suffering and trials. Culture wants to tell us a much different story about those things. Because, because what do you make of, of late night baby holding sessions? As they, they scream bloody murder and you just can't figure out what's the matter and you, you make that late night trip to the ER knowing full well that in the morning you're gonna have to show up to work still. What do you make of, of those who deal with chronic pain the stuff that's, that's hard to explain and, and hard to diagnose, and it just doesn't want to go away. 
What do you make of, of heartbreak? Kind when someone says no. Or we lose someone close. Or we hurt for someone, someone else who, who's going through more pain than we think anybody deserves. What about that kind of suffering? What about that stuff? I mean, culture gives us a certain way to deal with that kind of pain. Culture says we should avoid experiencing it at all costs. Culture tells us to, to run from it. That that kind of pain should be masked, numbed by something, some substance, a, a new purchase, a, a new relationship, a change in location. Or, or maybe even that it's God's fault. That we should just blame God for it. That, that's what our culture says. But that's not what we learn from God in the Bible. Jesus himself, he says, Jesus says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. You will have trials. Trials are going to come. Sorrows will be there. But there's a different way than running from them or numbing them. And I know, I know that's hard to believe sometimes. I mean, how can I trust that Jesus has overcome the world when, when things are this hard? How can I believe there's joy even in suffering when it seems like there's just no end in sight? Think about this. Today, we celebrate Independence Day, July 4th. What we actually celebrate in America is the signing of the Declaration of Independence. You know, the we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by the Creator by certain unalienable rights, of which are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They sign this declaration and they say that these rights, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, that they're, they're given by their Creator, by our Creator. And they decided they'd been deprived of those rights and that those rights were worth fighting for and suffering for. I mean, it was the foundational, powerful purpose that, that propelled them through the Revolutionary War, a war that lasted seven years at the cost of 55,000 lives from battle and disease and injuries that led to death. And just for a little context for a second, 55,000 lives would be the equivalent of about 7 million people today. It's crazy, proportionally. That's how much it would be, 7 million people. They had a powerful purpose. They had to, to endure and even find joy and meaning and suffering. You need a powerful purpose. Do you have one? The Revolutionary War had a free country as a purpose. Paul's purpose? It was even more powerful than that. It was worthy of chains. It was so powerful that he found joy, took it as an honor and privilege to participate in the suffering of Jesus just to share his message. And this was his message. It says, God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. 
This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. Assurance. That's the, the word that kept sticking out to me all week. Assurance. Sometimes you, you just need a, a light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, when you're in the thick of it, you don't need much. You just need that little glimmer of hope. Someday, it's going to get better. If you've ever purchased a house, like you've ever gotten a contract on buying a house, you end up with that contract, right? You're, you're given assurances that the house is going to be there and that someday, on a specific date, you're going to walk into that house and it will be yours. I mean, it's a ton of work to get there. Maybe you're having to sell your old home or, or save up so you're able to do it for the first time. You have to pack. You have to do all the bank and financing stuff. But, but you have a contract and assurance that it's going to happen. And that makes the work just a little bit easier because you can point to that future day. That's what Paul says Jesus does for us. He says that because Jesus lives in us, it's like a contract. It's like that thing that we can point to, knowing that someday he will make all things right. And we don't have to wait to begin experiencing that. He, he does that in our life starting right now, starting immediately. He helps us work through and engage and, and give meaning to the pain and the trials of life. But it, it doesn't stop. It goes all the way on into eternity when the trials fade altogether. We can have that assurance from Jesus. We can have that hope in, in the middle of the really hard days. And we have that hope for one very important reason that I'm, I'm going to get to in just a second. But first, I want to tell you, uh, this summer, uh, the boys and I and, and my wife, we've, we've been doing the Little League thing all summer. And it's been great. <laughs> it's actually the first time for both of them. So they're learning everything, right? It's brand new to both of the boys. They're learning all the little rules and all the things that go into playing baseball. And it's so much fun to watch them learn the game. But I was reminded of something this last week when I was watching one of my sons play. There, there's something about the presence of someone who cares about you while you're competing. I remember growing up and playing sports and the whole time, whether it was t-ball or, or wrestling in high school or running in college or even still to this day doing races, I'm reminded of how when you're able to look out in the stands or, or along the course and you get to see someone there that's just excited to support you, a, a parent or a friend or a coach, it can make all the difference in the world. I mean, every now and then when, when the boys are out there playing uh, baseball and, and they'll go out to their position and you can tell maybe they're a little bit nervous and then they'll look over at where you are and, and, and you'll kind of make eye contact with them. You'll make eye contact with them and, and, and you'll just give them the thumbs up and you'll smile at them and say, good job, buddy, way to go, you got this. And, and in that moment, it's, it's wild. Like they'll, they'll take your eyes off you and look back at where they're supposed to be looking, hopefully, so they don't get hit with the ball. But, but all of a sudden, in that moment, their confidence, it just surges. That's beautiful. The confidence, it surges because we're there and we're for them. We're in their corner. The secret, the, the mystery revealed, says Paul, is that Christ lives in you. He is present 
in you. When you accept him and his grace, his Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of you, which means something foundational, something essential and and powerful as we endure the good and the hard parts of this life. You are not alone, ever. It's not up to you. Jesus works through you. Listen to how Paul describes it. It's the last verse from Colossians for today. He says this, That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. It's not that we stop working. It's that we know that Jesus is magnifying our efforts, filling our tank when we're running on empty giving us wisdom in the face of impossible decisions, giving us the ability to persevere and even find joy from him when things just seem so hard. How do you persevere and find joy in the hard parts of life? And that's the, that's the question, isn't it? There's a popular verse out there. Um, people say it all the time. It's, Spoken of a lot, it's this. It's, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. It's in Philippians 4.13. And the verse has a tendency to give us a certain, certain image in our heads, right? You know, like, like people doing the impossible, like, like picking up two-ton cars to save their loved ones. That's the image we get in our mind. And just to be clear, I have no doubt that God works in people to give them incredible strength and bravery and wisdom to tackle seemingly impossible situations. But, but the context of that verse, it's actually all about enduring through suffering and trials. And it's Jesus who gives Paul the strength to endure. Paul says that Jesus is the secret to being content in all situations, good or bad. It's the 4th of July. It's the 4th of July, and you're going to see something a lot. Today, yesterday, probably saw it already. You'll see those stars and stripes, that flag. It's a symbol that represents an idea of a country that is free, where all people, no matter who they are, have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's, it's, an, empower, it's an incredibly powerful symbol all across the world. Here's the thing about symbols. Symbols can be incredibly powerful. When we think of Jesus, most of us think of the symbol that the cross has, the cross has become. I think of it too. It's amazing. But I also think of a different symbol. I think of you. Because here's the thing. When you decide to believe in Jesus, and follow him with your life. You become a representative of Jesus. Jesus lives in you. You represent Jesus to the people in your life. Your life is the most powerful symbol possible. You are literally Jesus' hands and feet in this world. When people see you, they see Jesus through you. And this is why Paul was able to endure suffering with gladness. That's why we can too. How do you persevere? How do you find joy in the hardest parts of life? You do so by having three things. Three things. The first is this. You you do so by having a purpose. Your purpose to to represent Jesus well, the, the best you can, however imperfectly. 
through the best and the hardest days of your life, the, to have that kind of character. The second thing is to have assurance. Assurance that Jesus will take care of you, that you are assured of a life of Jesus transforming you more and more, a life that goes all the way into eternity with Jesus. And the third thing to have to get through difficulty in, in our lives is to have Jesus' presence, to have presence by having Jesus in you, by inviting him in and knowing that as his Holy Spirit is in you, he will guide you and sustain you and give you wisdom and, and give you the faith that you need. Speaking of, of symbols real quick, that's actually why baptism matters. It's a way that we get to tell God, I'm all in. I want to follow you with my life. I'm, I'm ready to die to myself and be raised to new life with you, where you give me purpose and assurance of, being, of you being present with me. If you want that, just shoot me an email, and I'd love to chat with you about it. samprowitz at ripandchurch.com. But maybe... Maybe you're listening today, whether you're in your car and you're listening on the stereo or you're watching on your computer or your phone or your TV, wherever you're at, sitting on your couch, I don't know, wherever you're at, maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, I have experienced some suffering. I have experienced some trials and I've never been able to experience it with the kind of hope that seems like Paul does or that other people I know who follow Jesus does. And I, I want that. I want that for myself. And I've never told Jesus I want to follow him, so I want to do that today. In a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to do that. I'm going to say a prayer that you can let Jesus guide your life. Let him be the leader of your life, that he would forgive you and give you new life through him. That you could rely on him and know that he's in you, sustaining you and guiding you all along. In a moment, you can say a prayer to ask Jesus to lead you like that. But for some of us, we, we've said that prayer, but we've allowed our culture to override what Jesus says. We've begun to think to ourselves, you know what, I just got to numb that pain or go run away from it. And instead of letting Jesus guide us through it, we just want to remember what it's like to have his purpose, to have his assurance, to have his presence. So if you want to have that reminder and to remember those things on a daily basis, I'm going to ask God to keep it close at hand. And you can pray that for yourself as well. Would you pray with me? Dear God, thank you. Thank you that you love us. God, some of us, we've been trying to navigate the ups and downs of life all by ourselves, and it's exhausting. And we don't want to do it anymore. So God, we're telling you right now, we believe in you. We want to follow your son, Jesus. Make him the leader of our lives. Forgive us for trying to do this whole thing on our own and for doing things that put up barriers between us and you. Thank you for forgiving us of those sins. Now, draw us closer to you. Lead us. Transform us. Help us to represent you well. And for those of us, God, who have said a prayer like that before, we, we ask that you would remind us of your purpose, of your assurance, of your presence, and that that would make all the difference as we go through the ups and downs of life. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Thank you for investing your time here with us today. That's an act of worship before God because you gave him your attention and you chose to focus on God when you could have invested that time in a bunch of other ways. We take that very seriously at RCC. So my hope for you today is that you that you feel that you've invested your time wisely, that it was worth it for you. As we give you the opportunity to now make a worship offering, I want to thank you for choosing to invest financially in the ministry work of God at RCC. I invest here because I believe it's worth it, and I hope that you do too. God's doing amazing things here, and your generosity helps make that possible. So thank you, and God bless you this week. If you've never given before and you'd like to start to give, then just go to rccsunday.com and click on the giving icon in the bottom right-hand corner or even the word give at the top. While you're there, you can also check out today's unique information or fill out a red card with a prayer request. It would be great to hear from you or it would be an honor to pray for you. And I hope to see you soon.